Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius. Welcome back to the podcast. And the subject of this podcast is going to be, I just got laid off from my job, what should I do? I just got laid off from my job and I don't know what to do now. We're going to listen to a question from a reader who's going through some professional issues and he has some questions on how best to handle himself at this point. So let's first read his email. I got this email um, two days ago from this young guy. Nice guy. Let's see what he has to say here. Let's go ahead and just read. Let's read his email first. All right. He says... um, He says, uh, hi, Quintus, as you can tell from the subject line, I've been laid off from my job. It was my first job out of school in public accounting, tax. I guess he's an accountant or tax guy. He says, I worked there for roughly six months. I heard from a supervisor a few weeks ago that while I'm doing well on the tax side, I was struggling with the bookkeeping. I was doing what I could do to turn things around, but I guess I didn't quite cut the mustard in time. However, I've also heard from people in the industry that that it is actually a common thing to lure grads in recently out of school with a promise of a big salary, work them to death during tax season, and then let them go once things get slow in the summer. Mind you, I'm not telling you this to whine or complain. I take responsibility for what happened, and I want to know what I can learn from this. It's just that I'm not sure how much of it is on me or just simply duped. I'm going to be taking the first section of the CPA exam in less than a week and while this frees up some time for study I don't feel prepared for it having worked full-time while studying. In short what insight or advice would you give to someone like me in this position? What, what should I do next? Do I immediately go on to something else or do I stop to take a breath? How do I frame this when I'm seeking a new job? Furthermore, if I'm just not cut if I'm just not cut out for this career path, when do I know? Do I course correct again? Thank you for having the patience and charity to read my tale and I appreciate your what your sage counsel. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for that email and for your sharing that story. And there's a lot here in this email. There's a lot here I think that we can first dissect before we start giving specific opinions and guidance. I think this this guy is is very canny. He very cannily picked up on the fact that it's very common to lure new graduates into a profession and then dangle these exorbitant salaries in front of them and then get rid of them once uh, once they no longer have a, a need for you. And I'm not saying that's what happened in this case because I'm not there. I wasn't a fly on the wall. But, you know, this has the ring of truth to it. This is a very, very common little bait and switch that these, that these employers often play. What they'll do is they will hire a whole bunch of people and they will basically work you to death. They'll make you jump through all these different hoops. They'll make you run around. They'll make you dance on the head of a pin. And they'll pick maybe the one or two that they want to keep there at the office. And they'll pretty much launch everybody else. And this happens in many professions. I know it happens in, I've heard, 
that it happened it happens in, with these big firms that hire new law school grads. Sounds like it happens in the accounting field, and maybe it happens. It probably does happen in the other professions. Because remember, these big businesses, they don't care about you. They're not. They're not there to to care about your feelings or to nurture your career or to do what's best for you. They're in it for themselves. And the old days of loyalty, of you stay at one company for 20 years, as everyone knows, that, 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 that model ended back in, gosh, probably back in the, 18, the, the, the 1980s, if not sooner. If not, that, that model has been dead for a long time. So don't, the first thing I, I would like to say then to this guy is don't take this personally. You may not have done it. In fact, it sounds like you didn't do anything wrong. If they're giving you all this vague, uh, you know, you were kind of struggling with the bookkeeping. And yeah, right. Yeah, right. Struggling with the bookkeeping. The guy's an accountant or he's been trained in accounting. He's struggling with bookkeeping. No, no. It sounds like that's just a pretext. And there wasn't any specific incident or any problem or any specific performance deficiency it sounds like so it te- seems to me that this is just sort of a pretext that's what that's what you say to a young hiree when you don't really want to know why you're giving him the shaft that's what that sounds like to me yeah i'm sorry but that is that's what it sounds like i don't trust these these large companies i don't think that they i don't think that they they deal honestly with, pe- with people and i think that um i think that uh they, they're they um, they're duplicitous, you know. And you can say, well, the culture makes them that way, or they have to be that way for this reason or that reason. But you know, there's always an excuse. There's just always an excuse. So I don't get the impression from reading this email that this guy here did anything wrong specifically. It looks more like it sounds like a typical wake up call for a young guy in the in the job market which is you go out you get a job at a large firm and guess what you don't get uh, you don't get hired on in a, in a permanent position so you know what i would say to this guy this would be this would be my first reaction so what who gives a shit who cares you know they're probably doing you a favor they're probably doing you a favor because if they don't value you then you know what you shouldn't value them if they're not either they probably did you a favor. In fact, I'm certain that they did you a favor. Because who the hell wants to work at a place like that anyway? Who the hell wants? You know, life is too short. You know, if you, if, you had been, if you had been taken on there in a permanent position, you would have ended up working ungodly hours. You would have had no free time. You would have had no time to do anything you like. You would have been subject to some tyrannical person who you could never quite satisfy. You know, life is too short for that. Who who needs that? You'd be you're you're better off even if the money is a lot less. You're better off working someplace where you can have a reasonable standard of living. You can have you can have time to go on vacation every now and then. You can do things. You can travel. Again, as I've said many times before, as I've said many times before, it's not how much money you make. It's your overall quality of life. It's your overall quality of life. Everybody gets focused on salary, salary. Yeah, obviously you need money. Everybody, everyone knows that. That's a that's a that's a that's a fact. 
that does not merit any discussion. But beyond a certain subsistence level, beyond a certain point, you have to ask yourself, you know, is it worth the trade-off? Because time matters. You know, there are people out there that slave away for decades, and then they get roped into all these commitments, job, house, marriage, kids, family. They can't do anything. And for some people, that's fine. Uh, but that wasn't the way I wanted to live my life. That wasn't really what I wanted. And, you know, when I remember when I first got out of law school, I thought I wanted to work in all these, you know, government jobs and positions. And, and you know, I realized very quickly that, you know, this really isn't what I want. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm more of an independent, an independent type of person. I don't think I'd be happy in this type of a job. So I became self-employed, and I've been doing that for you know over twenty years. So it's it's obviously worked out. So you you know sometimes fate and fortune can do for even when you don't think that she is doing a favor for you. So don't worry about it. Okay, the job didn't work out. So what? Who cares? All right. So let's go on to the other part of his email. He says I'm taking the first section of the CPA CPA exam in less than a week. And while this frees up time for study, I don't feel prepared for it, having worked full-time while studying. Okay, well, okay, so you don't feel pre feel prepared. I don't know what the CPA exam is like. I don't know if you can postpone it. I don't know if you've already paid fees. But you know what? Do the best you can. Sometimes in life, you have to just go with what you know. You have to do the best you can with the tools that you have. Make a reasonable, good-faith effort. Study as much as you can. Do as much as you can. And, hey, let the chips fall where they fall. And if you pass it, fine. If you don't, you'll hit it on the next pass around. You'll, you will pass it on the next. You take it again. Okay? Again, don't worry so much. You've got to try to banish these negative thoughts. And he says, What insight or advice would you give to someone in my position? What do I do next? Do I immediately go for something else or do I stop to take a breath? Well, some of these questions are kind of difficult for me to answer because I don't know your specific circumstances. I don't know if you've got bills to pay. I don't know if you've got another position lined up. I don't know what you've got. But what I am telling you is this. When it comes to questions like this, do the best you can. Make the best decision you have with the information that you have at that time, and you will never regret it. You will never regret a situation, a decision made after a rational consideration of all the relevant factors. And as long as you do that, you will never regret that, um, that decision. Now, he finally says, I, I don't know if, uh, how do I know if I'm not cut out for this career path? When will I know? Well, come on, man. You just, you just started. You just started. You need to give this, you need to give your career a good faith effort. You, you, come on, you went to school for this. You, you trained as an accountant. You're just starting out. You're going to have a little bit of rough uh, waters, patches of, of turbulencies here, but you can fight through it. You're not, you're, you need, you're not, you're not ready yet to call it quits. Uh, you know, if you, if you had been working in this job for a number of years and you, you experiencing chronic dissatisfaction, then I think maybe you can look at different options, but you're just starting out. And I don't know anything about the CPA exam. I've heard it's very difficult. But then again, what exam is not difficult? What professional exam is not difficult? You tell me. They're all difficult. 
And I don't know if you've already paid your fees. If you've already invested the money and paid the fees and they're not refundable, then you may have to just go through with it. But if you don't feel confident and secure, then maybe you are better off, uh, you know, uh, retreating, regrouping, and coming back to hit it again in another day. But I don't know. I, I My guess is if, if you're taking this exam in less than a week, then you've probably already paid everything and, and you're down to the wire here. So you may have to just go in there and... and uh, Go with what you know and just do the best you can. And if you pass it, fine. If not, so what? So what? Who cares? Who cares? Really, I mean, who cares? You know? Anyone who uh, is going to give you shit about that and you said something in your email about how do I explain this if I... Uh, if I take... if I get another job, how would I explain it? You don't explain anything. You know, if you're interviewing, if you're interviewing for a new job, you always frame everything as a positive. You you never, you know, there, there are certain job uh, interview techniques that I won't get into because there's there's tons of information already out there in the world about that. You don't need me to regurgitate that. But everything you do in life needs to be portrayed as a positive, even the things that did not turn out the way you expected. Because the truth is, even those negative experiences are indirectly positive. So you don't, don't you ever, don't ever apologize for anything you've done. Don't be groveling to these pricks and saying, oh, I don't, I really, I really wish I hadn't lost my job. I didn't. No, no, nobody wants to hear that. You don't apologize. You, you, you have nothing to apologize for. If you do the best you can, you gave everything the best possible, uh, effort that you could. If that's not good enough, well then fuck them. Fuck them. And that's the attitude that you have to have. You know, and I wish someone had told me this when I was in my early 20s. Because, you know, there wasn't really any of this uh, self-help culture really out there back in the in the early 90s. You know, and, and um, you know, I think when you're young, you're impressionable, when you are a conscientious person, there's always a tendency to to really err on the side of of being being nice, being honest, being good, and that and that's not bad. I'm not saying don't be that, but you've got to have a certain stance in this world, especially when it comes to these jobs, because job the job market's very very competitive, and any little hint of lack of confidence or apologetic demeanor. They're not going to value that. They're not going to appreciate your honesty. They're going to use it against you. So don't you ever apologize to these these employers. You have to have the attitude that you're ready to go. You're a hardworking individual. You're aggressive. You're ready. You're chomping at the bit to get started. And that's the attitude you need to have. And you know what? I understand that it's not easy to have that attitude because I think it takes a lot of years of of, of kind of uh, of experience in the arena to really get that and to really believe that. But trust me when I tell you, that is the demeanor you need to have. And if you can't feel it, then you know what? Pretend that that is what you think. You know that old adage, "fake it till you make it." Well, when it comes, to, I mean, you can't fake knowledge. You can't fake experiences, but you know you do need to kind of condition yourself to give off an aura 
of positivity. Even when you're losing, you know, George Washington, uh, I, I uh, was talking to a friend who's reading a very good biography of George Washington, and he mentioned to me that Washington always, always, always put a great deal of pride in his personal appearance. You know, those pictures you see of him, he never wore a wig. That was always his, his own hair. And even in the middle of the revolution, he always was very, very conscious to dress spotlessly. He always had the finest tailored uniforms and suits uh, with the most gleaming, gleamingly brass buttons, the most gleamingly redolent brass buttons. He always was mounted on, on a steed high above his men because he, he understood that it was important to convey the image of a winner. It was important to convey that he was going places. And believe me, there were times he was getting his ass kicked. The British were kicking his ass up and down the eastern seaboard. And he had to hang in there. He had to act like things were going his way, even when he was probably uh, tearing himself up inside. He, he, didn't, he, didn't have, he didn't have the luxury of sitting on his pack and just saying, oh, what am I going to do? I don't, know what to, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. He had to keep going. You know, and I'm reading a very good biography, well, a, 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 a biographical study of Abraham Lincoln. It's called Lincoln's Melancholy. It's all about how Abraham Lincoln mastered his depression and he used it to his advantage. And it's a very, very fascinating study. Very fascinating. It's uh, written by a man named Schenk, is the last name, Schenk. I don't remember his first name, but it's a very good. You can find it on Amazon. You can get it. I'm listening to the audiobook. But what really inspires me about Lincoln, and to, in my view, he's uh, he's one of the well, he is the greatest of all the American presidents in my in my view, a personal hero of mine. When you consider the un, un, the unbelievable burdens that this man had to tolerate, not only professionally with the country uh, uh, breaking up in, 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 in right in front of him. But his, his, his personal life, his, his wife, who, who was mentally unstable, and in the tragedy, the, the deaths of his sons, I mean, it's just, it's unrelent, it's unbelievable. And in those days, it wasn't like now. There wasn't any of this, oh, I'm going to go on a golf trip to Mar-a-Lago. I'm going to go to Camp David. I'm going to go have a good time. There wasn't, he didn't, Abraham, they didn't, they didn't take vacations in those. They didn't have vacations. They didn't, uh, they couldn't get on uh, in front of some uh, group of, of people and talk about their feelings. You think Lincoln could do that? Lincoln's idea of a vacation was going to the basement or going into the, 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 the subterranean portions of the White House and, and telling jokes with a telegraph operator at 2 in the morning, waiting for battlefield reports. There wasn't any vacation. There wasn't any respite from, from, from the unrelenting pressure of, of responsibility. I, mean, I think you. I think people just really forget just how tough these guys really were. It's incredible, and you compare that now to the the decidedly unpresidential, unheroic lack of leadership, utter and total morally corrupt um, examples that we have now. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay. And I think you need to draw inspiration from learning about how great men of the past handled themselves. And I think once you 
really understand that, you'll know what to do. You'll know what to do. Have faith in yourself. Have faith in what you're doing. And you've got to have a little bit of, you know what, you've got to have a little bit of, of cockiness. Not too much, but a little bit, a dash of it. A little bit. Again, finding that balance uh, is where it's all at. But you've, you know, it's, it's normal to feel insecure. It's normal to feel um, losing a job or being asked to leave a job is a very distressing experience. Believe me, it's very, it's a, it's a very, um, a very disturbing experience because you feel like someone has judged you personally, and you feel like uh, some personal verdict has been made about you as a person. But believe me when I say that everyone out there has, has lost a job or been, have been fired from a job or told to leave a job. And you know what? My experience has been that it usually is for the best. It's, in fact, it's, I'll say it's always for the best. It'll be a, a silver lining. It'll be a silver lining to you. There's always a silver lining out there in situations like this. And you will find a way to forge a way forward. All right? So don't worry about it. Do the best you can. And if you want to check in with us here in a few weeks, that's fine. We can get updates. All right. So that will conclude our podcast here for tonight. I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night.